0: I think you know about this, which is why you're all here. Um, But remember, a couple of months ago, we began an Ordinary Heroes, Everyday Heroes um, series. And so and what that acknowledges is is that there not only is God with us, but we are here to encourage each other, that there are other people in this boat with us that we're not sailing alone. And it took a little bit of arm twisting, maybe a lot. Um, But I know that John Boyd and Billy are some of our heroes in this church and in this community. And I wanted you to hear a little bit more about John's life and about their marriage and their story. So, um, would you join? This is a hard thing to do. It's harder for John and Billy to get up here because you know them and share than it is for Phil and Toddie, who shared before and who aren't from this church. So, will y'all encourage them as they come up, okay? <clears throat> What we're going to do is I, I've, we've done some talking about the questions we, I'd like to ask John, but I know that you're going to have some questions too. So we'll try to leave enough time that you have time to answer some questions from the audience, okay? Impromptu questions. Okay. So, John, tell me about um, what you did, how you worked for NASA, because did you hear one of the kids say they wanted to grow up and be an astronaut? Yeah. How did you get involved there?
1: Well, NASA had an ad in the paper in Houston Chronicle. that's the truth and
0: they're laughing because of the oh is that why y'all are laughing Uh, they're laughing about the out of the paper okay
1: Uh, (laughs) this was just the beginning of the Apollo program and uh, they wanted to build some trainers 1g trainers what they call 1g and uh, so I had all the qualifications when I applied for the job and uh, that was I was 38 years old then, and uh, worked with them for about 30 years, I guess, wasn't it?
0: So what's a 1G trainer?
1: Well, there's 0G when you're in, uh, in no gravity at all, and then there's 1G is on the ground. We're in 1G right here.
0: Okay. (laughs) So I guess it's, this would be a trainer without any anti-gravity stuff. That's right. Yeah. 1G trainer. Okay. So um, how did you, that's where you started, but that's not where you ended up, right? No. After so you, it was kind of construction at first, is was, that right?
1: It was construction. Yeah. And uh, I had all the qualifications of the, that they needed for the work to be done. One of the the command module was mostly built by Rock, Rockwell, and uh, the lunar module was built by Grumman Aircraft. So we had to work on those blueprints on each one of them. And uh, my job entailed just construction at the first. And then after they got the, bil- the simulator built, the trainers built, uh, and started st- storing them with all the equipment that they carry on board the, the real thing for them to train with. Well. They decided, well, uh, they needed a crew training instructor. And they said, well, since NASA since John Boyd knows so much about the command module and the lunar module, we'll just have him be an instructor, lead instructor. And that's how that all come to be about.
0: So what did, what did it mean that you were the crew training instructor? Well, you, who were you, you were working with? The astronauts?
1: Yes. All the, all the astronauts, that all the astronauts that flew for Apollo got to know me by my first name very well. And...
0: Do you, do you want to tell that story about, because I think we have a picture that um, the, the lunar landing crew, the Apollo 11 crew signed. Do you want to tell the picture, the story about getting them to do that?
2: All
1: right. When uh, their last exercise, this is talking about Apollo 11, during their last exercise in, the, in my room where I had I was in building five, there's somebody else in the, that was here last week that said that they knew somebody that worked in the same area as I did. And I, I don't know if they're going to bring them to this, this uh, now or later. I don't know. She didn't call me. But uh,
0: I never heard back. So we'll have to have that ordinary hero later. John, you're enough for today. Did what? You're enough for today. <laughs> so um, what kind of tools did you have to work with? You told me that you couldn't just get on a computer. Back
1: there weren't any computers in that day, and there wasn't, uh, there wasn't even any calculators. There were slide rules that the, that the engineers used. I didn't use a slide rule, but I watched them doing it. And you can figure out anything. They, they, what was so amazing about this, to, to, uh, in the simulator, they had the programmers had got the program going, and uh, with just u- using slide rule. And uh, they, they got uh, the thing. We trained in that for maybe two years before the landing on the moon. And when it actually come about, the landing actually come about, uh, we were in a conference room and, oh, I was supposed to talk about the last day. and That's all right. That's okay.
0: Say about the conference room. We'll get back to
1: that. uh, Well, in the conference room with the next crew to go up, we always had... The, a crew on, in in the building, and usually the prime crew we call the prime crew, and then the uh, next crew to go up. And when they came to to the landing on the moon, everything was working just as we had been trained in in the simulators. And when they when they touched down within minutes of what the time schedule we had, and it's too complicated for me to tell you all about it, but during the way up there to the moon, the command module had to separate from the service module and turn around and take the lunar man, lunar uh, module out of the out of the place and and uh, dock to it. It was quite something, anyway. It compli- complicated when it all happened and they had come down to just landing on the moon, I looked around in the conference room and looked around, everybody was in there, and I said, boy, I'm working a lot lot of smart guns.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You edited that for church, right? Yes. (laughs) So was that, what was the mood like? Was everybody relieved when it happened, or was it Well, like training? I told
1: you earlier, I said one thing that the biggest thing that helped out in the econ- economy was they got to sell a whole bunch of television sets. <laughs> there, wasn't, there, there wasn't very many television sets, and they were all black and white, you know, back in those days. And there was only, I think, three companies that made televisions, and uh, even so, they, they had a good business. Lot, everybody was interested in it.
0: They wanted to see the landing. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about that photograph that you, you twisted the arms of the astronauts.
1: Oh, yeah. When the, on their last training session, before they went to the Cape, uh, they come out, and while they were in the, in the trainer, I, I had set up three tables there. And I went over to building four and got some pictures of the crew. Uh, and I got 25 of them. And uh, when, they, when they come over, when they come out, I asked the commander, I said, uh, Would it be all right if I took a little of your time and had you autograph these pictures for the guys that work in the building, work nights and everything, and they never get the chance to see a crewman? But they back you up and they do a lot of work for you, you know, but they, there's just no way to see them. See them. so the uh, uh, command module pilot. He said, "Oh, we don't have time for this," and the commander said, "We'll take time for John Boyd to do it."
2: <laughs> so they did.
1: They sat down and signed those autographs, these pictures, and uh, I passed them out to different ones that I knew pretty well in the building.
0: And was that Armstrong that said, "We'll take time"? Is yes, that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, Neil
1: Armstrong told me, mm-hmm. he's the commander, "He said we 'We'll take time to do it.'"
0: For John Boyd, so they did. <laughs> well, tell me, um, you—I don't know if y'all are going to be able to see this, but this was in the parade last week in the paper. Um, it's a picture of Jimmy Fallon in an EVA suit. But um, John told me that—I mean, he—he he built the the um, lunar module, lunar module, and worked with these EVA suits all the time.
1: EVA stands for extravehicular activity, and it's a suit that they wear whenever they get out of the spacecraft, they have to have that on. And this inside the command module, I'll explain a little bit of this to you, it is, the size inside is about the size of a Volkswagen. And there were three men in there, and they had only one place in the command module could they stand up to get mm-hmm. suited up. That was, a, that was a major job, to suit, suit up. In the
0: How long would it take them, do you think, to suit up?
1: Oh, it took a good half hour. They helped each other. You know, they had zippers in the back and everything, so they they assisted each other. But it's a job.
0: Well, and, did you want to say anything else? I love that story about when you got back the dirty suits.
1: Okay. <laughs> I uh, I called over the suit people and told them we needed three EBA suits, so that storage you know so they said okay we'll we'll send them over to you and uh, that's the way i got a lot of the crew training equipment was by just asking different groups and uh, they pretty well were happy to do it but anyway uh, when i got the suits over they were all dirty legs dirty and the the, uh, shoes were dirty and i called them back up and i said why did you send me all these dirty suits? And they said, well, let those suits walked on the moon and that's all moon dust and we thought you'd like to have some. <laughs> so I, I got the, some vials, little glass vials, and I filled them with, the, with this dirt that I brushed off of the suits. And I never did get them, they never did come clean. That, that moon dust, moon uh, surface, of the moon is kind of like a real he- heavy, thick dust. I used to know it, but anyway, uh, it was hard to get off. And I put these, I put these vials. I just got about six of them, and uh, put them on my desk in the room, which I kept the desk, I kept the room locked when I wasn't in there. It was always locked. So I put these, I didn't, didn't even think about it. But one morning, I finally decided that people were asking me so much about it all the time. I finally decided that I would make little labels and put on their moon dust on the veils. And it wasn't a week later that they were gone. <laughs> and I don't know, I have no idea who took them, but they were gone.
0: Did you say it? it could have even been the government? Uh, no, no, no.
1: <laughs> I think, I think every astronaut has some equipment that went to the moon. They all have moon rocks at home. There's not much you can do with a moon rock though, except display it in your home.
0: Well, um, the, the neat thing is there's, there's, John has a lot more stories about working with NASA, but we wanted to save some of those for 11, but you don't have to miss out on that because it, they will be on the podcast, so you can check out his, um, he got the Presidential Medal of Freedom, you can hear him talking about that and about Apollo 13, but we have Billy up here for a reason too, because the story, um, there's much more than just what John did in his life, and so um, can you tell me a little bit about, um, how long have y'all been married?
1: 32 years.
0: 32 years.
1: I didn't have to hesitate about that.
0: Good job. <laughs> and how did you meet each other?
2: That's, that's my story. <laughs> I, I see so many friendly faces out there that know this story. Please bear with me. But his first mother-in-law and my mother were best friends from, high, from junior high school. And so of course, uh, we, his first wife and I were friends because our mothers were friends. And I never met John until her death and her, her mother asked my mother and I to attend the funeral and sit with the family and we did. And I met John that day, but he didn't remember, of course. He was too sad. And um, later at a dinner party, we met again, and the rest is history. (laughs) But but we did go together a year and a half, because I had been married previously, and I was afraid of marriage. But obviously, I chose the right thing. (laughs) Thirty-two years. Never thought I'd make that, but I was married. (laughs) I was married twenty-five to the other one, that was made me very unhappy. So, I'm glad that we have thirty-two. That's that's more than that first one. (laughs) But that's how we met. It was just, and and the thing that was really strange when my mother and dad would have he and his first Edna over we would be gone we never our paths never crossed until mm-hmm. she died and um, of course we were we were glad that we didn't know each other before but uh, it was strange that how how we didn't meet all, the, all those years. Would you... um?
0: There, y'all told me a story that you maybe later retracted, but I like the story about how you proposed. That's a, Even if that may not have been the proposal moment, that's a good story.
1: Uh, when we were... When I proposed to her, we went out and uh, from her apartment there and got in a hot tub and uh, we were just having a good time. And uh, there was an astronaut that lived in the same building named Uh, Ellen Ellen Bean. He was the fourth man to walk on the moon. And he was the first person that I got to tell that we we just got engaged. And uh, I'll never forget, he said, well, John, look up in the sky. Because he knew my first wife. He said, look up in the sky, and you see this dark cloud. Well, he said it looked real good around the edges of it. And he said, you'll see a silver lining. And he said, every dark cloud will have a silver lining for you. And I thought that was really nice that he said that.
0: So um, you told me that you must have had a guardian angel while we were talking. Um, can you tell just the folks here about some of the ways that God watched over you?
1: Well, I have felt God's uh, presence in my life all throughout my life. When I really prayed in sincere prayer to him, uh, it was always answered. And uh, I had one time when I was young, pretty young, uh, in my early teens, I think it was, I was outside. And walk, uh, walking down the road. And I got tired, and I went over and sat down in the, under a tree to rest. And I started going to sleep, and this voice came to me and said, My name was Lyle, then I took John on yeah, later on. But anyway, he, uh, this voice said, Lyle, get up from there. If you go to sleep, you're going to die. you freeze to there. And I didn't know it was that cold, even.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But that's, that was one way. And, There was a lot of other times that uh, I could feel his presence in my life.
0: Would it be okay if we had some folks ask you questions from the congregation?
1: That would find me. Okay. Okay, you guys. Yes.
0: You can, he wants you to talk about the role you played in Apollo 13. They just want to hear about it, okay. even
1: though you're going to talk about it. Okay. Well, I know uh, the pastor wanted to know, asked me about uh, when the, the, they when they first got the, when Houston first got the message that Apollo 13 was in trouble, had a problem. Uh they didn't call me up at first, because until the flight engineers could figure out wh- what happened and how to get them back home. And the crew was on their way. to, Of course, you knew, everybody knows they were on the way to the moon. But uh, they didn't know how they were ever going to get them back home until they got it figured out. So. Then they called me, and then they figured out, well, yeah, we can get them back home, but they won't have enough breathing air. So that's when they called me in there and uh, had eight of us, seven from Mission Control and myself, sit down in the the room there with the mock-ups and figured out how to... The lunar module had lithium hydroxide canisters, which was provides the breathing air. Uh, they had the round ones, and the command module had square ones. And so they tried to figure out how to get these t- together. And so I said, well, on board, there happens to be a, a, roll of two, a full roll of two-inch uh, duct tape. And I said, if you all can figure out how to duct tape these things together, then it'll work. And so that's what they did. and. Uh, Now you all know, there's not very many people know that duct tapes played a big part in getting them home for the breeding there.
0: One more plug for duct tape. (laughs) I mean, they're making clothes out of duct tape now. Did you know that? No. It's crazy.
1: But anyway, uh, there's only probably 25 to 30 people in the world that know for sure that duct tape, now, now you all do too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and what, and John, let's just say, as a result of that, what, what did you receive?
1: Oh, the Presidential Medal of Freedom Award. There was eight of us. And uh, the, the day that we got the award, the, the Mission Control has the medal. They only, Cheapskates, they only had one medal. <laughs> <laughs> so so th- and that went to Mission Control. We got uh, copies of it. Presentation and uh, I got it hanging in my. You got it, I think of that?
0: it, yeah, it's right up there. <laughs> yep. And you were one of eight people. Now, I had to do some research on the Presidential Medal of Freedom, but this is oh. the highest award given to a civilian.
1: Yeah, you did some research on it. Did, I did,
0: I did. Do You want to answer another one? All right. Okay. Come on, y'all have questions. Mark. Do
2: you have a most stressful moment or a
0: happiest moment? He wants to know if you have a most stressful moment in your life or a happiest moment.
1: Well, yeah, the stress. My wife, my first wife had a triple bypass operation in with Dr. DeBakey, if anybody from Houston knows Dr. DeBakey. That was a stressful, really a stressful time in my life. And then uh, after the operation, they didn't tell us this until after the operation. But he, then that doctor said, uh, "Well, we extended your life by three years." And so my wife changed completely. When I, I used to have to fly a lot, I flew out to California. and I had to fly to Florida, and. Uh, so, I, and she would never fly with me. She would never get on an airplane. I even took her out to the airfield, this was before all this bad stuff happening, and took her on a plane that they were cleaning up. And let her, she said, no, I don't want to do this. Then then after she after the operation, and she's told, she only had three years to live, well, she was doing everything. Then she ended up, we, I, we went to, uh, uh, Hawaii together. She went, right, flew to Hawaii, and uh, then when she wanted to go back to Hawaii one time, and I said, "Well, I can't go right now because I really have busy time, a lot of schedule to do," and I said, "I just don't have time to do it." And so she said, "Well, I think I'm going to go anyway." So she got, <laughs> she got on the plane, and went to Hawaii to get by herself, and so that was. Uh, happy time but then when she died and uh, that was a stressful time of course and then when I met Billy that was a happy time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we have time actually we're now out of time isn't it amazing how time flies when you're talking to John and Billy Boyd. Say. Okay say something.
2: I hope you're not upset with me when I say this, but... you got to get closer. Okay. She talks real soft. <laughs> but I carry she a did. big stick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is something that John will not talk about to most people, but he was raised in a Catholic orphanage, and he didn't have much to say about the the um, people, the, what do you call them, nuns, except that he cleaned a lot of steps, you know, scrubbed scrubbed them. But uh, he was, he had foster parents, and when he was too ornery, they sent him back to the orphanage, and that's where he ran away and he didn't know where he wanted to go in Texas, but he wanted to come to Texas. Now, doesn't that tell you something? And he lived with this man that, he bef- that befriended him. Um, he hitchhiked from Minnesota to Texas and then um, met a total stranger. In I can
1: tell that story. okay, I ended up in Del Rio. That's just because that's the guy that picked me up. That's where he was going, so <laughs> I went with him. But uh, I was standing on Main Street, and I was looking in a restaurant window, and this man walked up to me, and he said, uh, "Are you hungry?" And I said. Well, I don't know when I ate last, and that was the truth. I hadn't eaten in quite a while. And so he said, well, come on in, we'll eat. And uh, he, was, he was, had a company that drilled water wells. And drilling water wells out in West Texas, like drilling for oil here. Had to have the same kind of equipment and everything. And so he said, I went to work for him. And then he put me through school. It went school time, and uh, his son was in the Marine Corps. I wasn't old enough yet to be in service, but uh, I worked, I took his son's place, and I forgot where I was going with that, but anyway, that was... uh,
0: And you were just, you were just a kid then, right? Yes,
1: I was very young, yeah. Early teens.
0: Early, yeah. Early, Early And God was watching over you.
1: But that's what I'm saying. God has always provided for me, you know, one way or another. And I always, I always knew it that it was His work, His doings. And then several,
2: years later. several years later, he moved on to Houston, where he met Edna, and and married her. And we're married until she died. And she was not yet 50 years old. Mm -hmm. I can't remember exactly when it was. But uh, we were, well, I've always thought that my mother married my dad so she could get pregnant because her friend was pregnant. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. Mother passed away several years ago, but uh, she, um, we were about the same age, and so I'm, I did meet him. I think,
1: I think that was God's doing too, bringing <laughs> us together.
0: What I'd like to do to close the service today, instead of how about instead of closing with song, we um, close with a prayer. We thank God for them. And what I would encourage you is, John and Billy are, are our heroes because they have allowed God to work in their life, not because it's been smooth sailing for them, um, not because they didn't face bumps in the road, but because the whole time they were listening to God. And so I'd encourage you that to somebody, you are a hero. Somebody is watching how you live and the choices you make. And um, so be encouraged that what it takes is not smooth sailing. What it takes is listening to God if we hear anything from them. So is that okay if we close with prayer and then Gustavo will probably just play us out? Does that sound good as a postlude?
1: Can I say one more thing? Yes. Uh, Back when um, we've been uh, members here for years for a while I was a head usher and we have a uh, one of our people uh, went to graduated from uh, uh, air from the air no. academy.
2: Talking
1: about Ed? But talking
2: about Pat, Pat
0: Pat Pat O'Grady. Pat O'Grady. Pat O'Grady is going to be a hero on the third of July. Is he? We're going to talk to him. Yeah.
1: Good. All right. The other one was Ed Walker. Ed Walker? Ed Walker was a submarine commander.
0: I didn't know that. (laughs) Okay. He
1: graduated from the Naval Academy.
0: So we're ratting ratting all y'all out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, when I was the lead usher, I used to always get them to usher, you know, and other people, some of you might be in here now, that uh, would usher along there. I, I got to say, well, this guy's graduated from the air force academy and this guy graduated from the naval academy what did you do <laughs> <laughs> but anyway that's you
0: said i got the presidential medal of freedom award <laughs> <laughs> right, okay he didn't tell people i know that's why john and billy were so glad that we're so glad that you sat up here today to tell your story because i know it's encouraged all of us here so thank you. Today, the prayer will be your benediction, so when I say amen, you're dismissed. I'm going to have John and Billy, if you're okay with it, would you just stand up here and they can ask you further questions, but just in a minute, we'll pray, and then I'll let y'all do that. Okay. God, thank you so much for John and for Billy for just the clear witness that their story, uh, the story of their life gives to us, the encouragement Um, the reminder of your presence even when it's cold and we want to fall asleep of you waking John up and saying, keep moving. And may we hear that voice in our own lives um, when we're in the cold, when we're alone, when we don't know what the next step is, to know that you are with us, that you are watching over us. And Lord, may someday we be a hero to someone else in whatever way we can. We ask this in Jesus'
2: name, amen.